BBCC episode 48, my realization of the day. My feelings towards these films are like the tonal whiplash of this franchise. It's surprising me at every turn, and I find myself battling with my emotions just like Evil Ash, laughing deliriously and throwing myself around the room. Let's go ahead and get into the next entry of the Evil Dead franchise. Yes, 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 y'all. Hello, hello. Is your boy Devon Taylor here, aka underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram, and this is the Blay Blunt Cinema Club, where we mainly deal with subgenre and franchises within the horror genre. Um, usually, we'll have a month dedicated to a subgenre, but this month, uh, for spooky season, we are tackling the Evil Dead franchise. And we are in, uh, we are taking on Evil Dead 2, um, Dead by Dawn, noted in some posters and some other stuff. But um, Evil Dead 2 is what we're talking today. And um, I'm very excited for this episode because um, I always appreciate when I get to do episodes in person. And my next guest is sitting in my living room. They're not on a Zoom screen, and that's super nice. Um, He has actually... He, he's been on the show before, but you guys haven't heard it yet, um, covering another franchise, actually. Um, he has an episode in the Final Destination uh, saga that you will hear about next month, but joining me for Evil Dead 2 today is a film critic with his very own YouTube channel and, I would say, growing horror enthusiast, as, as you've been picking it up over the past few years, Mr. Garrett McDowell. Devon, I'm here in person. Canonically, this is the first time I've been on the show. Uh, yes. <laughs> since that episode has not come out yet, I'm here with my, uh, I've got horror, like Halloween socks you do on got today. spooky socks on today. Yeah. Um, but in regards to the growing horror fan, been a horror fan my whole life, but there are pockets that I've uh, mm-hmm. uh, not uh, ventured into. We we're talking about off, off uh, air a little bit here. Hellraiser, one I've been diving into recently, and it seems like each Halloween season I've been like picking a franchise that there's just like, oh, I've never seen this part five mm-hmm. whatever series, so I've been diving into this. But Evil Dead is one that I've been a fan of for a long time here, uh, and I was when I first started watching it, it was like, oh, that guy who made Spider Man made some other movies too. Cool, I'll check them out. Yeah, uh, but nothing can prepare you uh, for the insanity that is this series. Yeah, and I mean, the only reason I say growing is because I feel like over the years, it's like just more noticeable, uh, your appreciation for for horror. And I don't know if that is because you're like kind of filling in some of those gaps and uh, diving into different corners that you, you know, didn't know about before. But like, you know, you're you're letting your your inner freak show. Yeah. And I appreciate it. uh, I am uh, younger than you and I feel like it is typical that when you're like you know getting into to to movies and getting into you know when you're of that age for me it was like 
13-ish kind of age, uh, whether it's classics or indies or whatever, I feel like you're always going to cover the big stuff. Mm-hmm. You're always going to watch, you know, with, with horror, it's going to be like The Exorcist or, you know, uh, the first Friday the 13th or the first Nightmare on Elm Street or any of those other like big tentpole kind of horror movies. But as, you know, I've gotten older, I've, you know, explored other countries and other, you know, K-horror and Japanese horror mm-hmm. and other classic horror and, you know, uh, really exploring those others, uh, those other areas. And, you know, Evil Dead has definitely left a, a pretty big thumbprint on uh, a lot of stuff that came after it, which, we you know, we may discuss here. Yeah. Um, so in the um, previous episode, we got into uh, the original Evil Dead and um, talked about kind of its impact from that it had on, you know, low budget uh, guerrilla filmmaking. And then um, this one, um, you know, we'll get into more is, um, you know, the uh, an evolution of, you know, I think Sam Raimi as a director more mm-hmm. and then also uh, Bruce Campbell and really kind of solidifying like, you know, what what the core of this franchise really is. Sure. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that here in a minute. But before that, um, just because, I mean, not that, not that Evil Dead franchise isn't, like, doesn't feel very spooky season. I mean, it does. I mean, A Cabin in the Woods feels kind of fall-esque, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. But in terms of, like, you know, what you like to watch during October as far as, um, you know, whether you have a yearly tradition or just uh, one that is a newer addition to your... Um, very spooky season list so what do you got for me yeah so each halloween season i always make it a point to watch as many uh new to me horror movies so i I always have a list uh and typical on brand for me i'm behind this year uh so i need to catch up a little bit but i always towards the end of the the towards the end of the month try to fill out um some of that time uh revisiting some old favorites of course you're going to have john carpenter's halloween always watch that on halloween but another one that i uh, watch every year is uh, 1959's house on haunted hill Mm. um, the vincent price movie um, it is so fun and silly and it's just such a, such this like glorious kind of tongue in cheek, you know, classic, oh, you, you've got these strangers, they're in this, this mansion and there's ghosts and skeletons and witches and it's just like, it's very synthesized, like that Halloween kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. It's kind of got everything that you'd want, including uh, Vincent Price, who is like the absolute king. He's the best. Yeah. Um, I definitely love, um that that 99 house on haunted hill might talk it on the show at some point i've never seen it so that'd be interesting to visit yeah i haven't seen that one oh you're talking the original original yeah 1959 ah, i thought Price. you said i thought you said 99 no, because the, that's the remake year is 99 no, i'm talking to og the black and white one mm. with vincent price yeah yes um i would say that it's one of my um one of my favorite vincent price performances yeah um he just seems to be having a really good time and like um he's you know perfect for that really too. yeah really getting that balance of you know like you're he's charming but at the same time like he's very uh maniacal and very mysterious as well. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. mysterious, like yeah. a very fun performance. Um, but yeah, you should also watch the 99 version. I have to give it a whirl. If it's, it's anything else like the other horror movies that came out in the 90s, it's probably pretty ridiculous too. I mean, <laughs> it, I can I can pretty much boil it down. Are you a fan of the 2001 13 Ghosts? I haven't seen that one either. So that there's more of like the examples of the growing <laughs> horror fan. But gee, we talked about that last time I was here. I we think need, we did, yeah. Yeah, I, you need to double... 
You need a double double fe- feature. Is that a good double feature? Yes. Thirteen Ghosts and House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, remake. it was. They were both Dark Castle remakes of you know movies from the fifties. Interesting. Um, they both have very similar tone. If it it has the betterness of um you know what the two thousands were known for with like the sure the shifty editing and like the uh the kind of music like metal music video aesthetic almost. Yeah. Um, but they're also very tongue in cheek, fun, goofy, but like bombastic, like because like the set designs are fantastic and people giving campy performances. Um, both of them are great for their own reasons. Uh, Thirteen Ghosts is a bit scarier versus sure. House on Haunted Hill is a little bit more fun. Yeah, um, as, as far as like original. a yeah, yeah. So um, definitely uh, double feature them. I've actually watched 13 Ghosts twice in the past two weeks inadvertently. <laughs> it's got it on the brain. <laughs> I love that movie. I watched it at the bar, and then I also um, watched it here at home because I didn't have Wi-Fi for a hot minute, and that's the only Blu-ray I have. I currently. love the idea that there's like customers at the bar, and they're like trying to get your attention pulling on your shirt, and you're like, shh, 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 this is a good part. This is, shut up, shut up. I, 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 <laughs> like do have, <laughs> I do have that happen quite often because if a Dodgers game's not playing, I'm putting a scary movie on, like yeah. always. And Even if the Dodgers game is playing, you're turning it off and putting on 13 ghosts, everybody. <laughs> I, oh, man. I wish I could remember what it was. I had something on the other day, and it was the first time I've had a request to turn it off. Oh, <laughs> like man. Usually, usually people are, are always like, even if it's something a little bit more violent or bloody occasionally, and I'll, I'll save those for late night, sure. you know? Yeah. But I had something on, and they were like, hey, can you like turn something else on, please? Yeah. And I was like, okay. I would take that personally. I would be like, I put this on myself. This is handpicked by the bartender, so no. <laughs> you can go to a different bar. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. Um, but most of the time people are like, yeah, yeah, this is, this, I'm, I'm all good with sure. this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so definitely check those out. Um, a spooky movie season recommendation for me. Um, oh, and by the way, there's also a whole 13 episodes, uh, uh 13 ghosts episode. Oh, you can a... listen to the podcast. We, um, we so be a triple feature house on haunted Hill, 13 ghosts, and then the bloody blunts cinema club episode. After yeah. That. We, we talk the movie and then we also rank our favorite ghosts cause they all have, uh, intricate backstories that is only found. Oh, on... so it's like Ghostbusters style. There's like the, the one that eats the librarian. <laughs> yes. Fun. <laughs> yes. So, uh, go back and listen to that episode Yeah, for sure. And then to plug another episode, uh, last October we did talk the Halloween franchise and me and Garrett were talking the Halloween franchise. Uh, off air just a little bit ago. Yeah. Um, you had just seen Halloween Kills, which yes, will be coming out pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And um, it got me talking about um, my favorite of the Halloween sequels, that is, you know, just any of them that aren't the original 78, would be the 1981 Halloween 2. Um, you know, I feel like people, now that Halloween 2018 happened, I feel like nobody talks about Halloween 2 anymore. And it was my first time watching it last year. And y'all, please go watch that movie. That's the only other good sequel in this entire franchise. If you claim to like four, five, and six, which I feel like everybody's a liar if they do say they like those movies. They're they're not good. Like defend them all you want. They're not good. Halloween two was actually my first introduction to Halloween. Not because I had watched it first. 
Um, but my dad had it on DVD and mm. I remember seeing when I was too young to watch it. I remember seeing the spine and that cover. It's got a really unique cover with like yeah. the skull on the pumpkin and everything. And you could see like Michael in the shadows on the spine or on the back or whatever. And I just remember being young and not knowing what it was and just being like, what is this? And my dad's like, you are not allowed to watch that because you're <laughs> like eight years old. <laughs> You know, and that's a good uh, that's a good entry into the franchise because it's great. You saw the DVD version. Apparently, a lot of people saw that one on TV, and apparently, the TV edit of this movie is like terrible. Sure. But if you watch the actual like theatrical version, um, it, it, it just apparently a lot of people saw it on TV versus right. seeing the theatrical one. Yeah. Um, and like John Carpenter doesn't like it. Like he he only wrote on that one. He didn't direct it, but like. He even like talks shit on. It. He's like, ah, I really didn't want to do it. I still don't like it. Really. Yeah. I think it's really, really great. Like, there's not many horror movies that take place literally the same night that the, the first one happened. Like, yeah. I mean, it picks up literally ten minutes later yeah. from the first Halloween. Yeah. And I love that it. And the movie has this like really interesting sense of urgency to it in contrast to you know the more slowly paced sure. first one. Um. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Halloween 2, uh, definitely go check it out. Go check it out. And then listen to me and uh, Nolan Dean. We talked about the entire Halloween franchise. Oh, awesome. Yeah, like a, great. Yeah, in like a mega episode. So that go back fun. and uh, check that one out from last October. Shout out to Nolan. Yeah. Shout out to <laughs> Nolan. So, um, but I would say we are nice and warmed up to go ahead and dive back into the Necronomicon with our next entry in the franchise. Evil Dead 2, released in 1987, written and directed by Sam Raimi, um, with Scott Spiegel on a co-write for this one, um, and it came out six years after the original, and it's it's interesting because it's it's not like a, a a reboot, but it's not a sequel per se either. It's almost like kind of like a I would call it like an equal. It happens simultaneously with the first one, and I'll explain. Uh, here in a minute sure. this th- this episode is where you're gonna get a lot of my tin hat uh, <laughs> theories on how this franchise uh, the continuity and timeline works yeah that's what you're gonna hear a lot about in this episode so hold that thought for a minute <laughs> but um it, but in it kind of feels that way it pretty much feels as if Sam Raimi he got more money he had a little bit more uh, filmmaking experience under his belt since making the first one and he basically got to redo the first one in a sense and kind of give people more of what they seem to like more from the first one which was like more of the humor uh more um you know like franticness to it um things like that and he originally wanted to do um his you know medieval time travel sequel which he would get to do after this one with army of darkness but that was that's what he wanted to do for two but then the uh producer said uh we want to be closer to the first movie yeah and so he said you know what whatever i'm just gonna make the first movie again just better yeah or or, well 
is it better? At least <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Garrett, uh, your thoughts on Evil Dead 2? Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising that you had Sam Raimi who came back and was like, all right, guys, the first one was a success. I want to make another one, but set in medieval times. And he's going to fight a bunch of skeletons with swords. <laughs> uh, and the producers were like, actually, what if you just did the same thing that you already did? And he was like, all right, I'll just make it, you know, a little bit more flavor, a little bit more spice there. Um, but this uh, was... I think Evil Dead 2 was always the one that I had heard about more as opposed to mm-hmm. the uh, the first one. And it wasn't until I had seen the Fede Alvarez Evil, uh, Evil Dead that I went back and revisited the old ones. Uh, in the first one, it's weird watching them very close to one another because you watch the first one. And mm-hmm. it's fun with its with all of its um, you know lovely bruises and everything. And then the second one, watching it like immediately after, you're like, oh, I I just watched this. Um, but it's absolutely turned up to eleven. Uh, every time I I see this movie, I'm almost reminded how completely bonkers it is. Like it's really, uh, it's like it you know drank a bunch of Red Bull and did a line of cocaine, and like that's the version of the movie. And it's 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 great to see Sam Raimi like uh, a really unabridged version of Sam Raimi and mm-hmm. see him not necessarily um, as as abbreviated as maybe we've seen in some of the other movies or, you know, went on to do Spider-Man and you see glimpses of that Sam Raimi and Spider-Man, particularly uh, in the second movie with that great ho- uh, that great hospital scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but this really just feels like this completely unfiltered, raw Sam Raimi, which is why I think a lot of the fans have much more of an appreciation for this movie as opposed to the first one. Because the first one, you get that sense of budget and you know lack of resources, where mm-hmm. with this one, he's got a bit more of backing behind him and was really able to let loose and just kind of do whatever he wanted to do. And it, it really shows up on screen. Yeah, it's like, I feel like with the first one, it's like you you saw the glimpses of, you know, what was going to kind of come in this one, probably what he wanted to do originally, but like you said, with the, the lack of resources, so it's like, uh, I, I want to do more of this, I, I want to give you more blood, I want to give yeah. you more goop. Like, oh, you get lots of more goop. <laughs> lots it's of more goop, movie. <laughs> more different colors of goop in this one. <laughs> Um, we get it all but like you could tell he like kind of wanted that in the first one and then just like again didn't have quite the resources didn't quite have the the talent just yet you know to make some of these things happen and you can definitely tell like uh yeah he got to indulge a little bit more in this one sure and so so here's where what what my theory is with the way that this whole thing works and then this so in 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 my brain (laughs) And, and this is without watching Ash vs. the Evil Dead, which I'm going to have to find time to at least watch the first season. A lot of people love it. Uh, I'm going to have to watch at least the first season just to see if my theory plays out or if it makes more sense. Okay. Um, um, May Leitz on, on her Nick's Fears YouTube channel has a theory about the franchise. It's kind of similar to, to hers but I didn't rewatch the video so I can't really compare <laughs> them yet is it it's a longer video and I'm gonna rewatch it um because it her, her theory plays more into army of darkness yeah while my theory pertains more to this movie so what I think is so at the end of the first one right yeah um it ends with evil dead shot going through the house coming out of the woods right and attacks on freeze frame of Bruce Campbell yes and that that ends the movie Right. Yes. Yes. And then, so this movie picks up seemingly like exactly the way that the first one did, drive into the cabin. Except it's just him and Linda. Yeah. And so, so, so my theory is, at the end of Evil Dead One, 
Ash gets knocked out by the Evil Dead, like in that moment. Yeah. Gets knocked out. So this movie is Ash dreaming, reliving the events that just happened in the first one, mm-hmm. but he's reliving those events, and it's more exaggerated uh, than he remembers. It's not. It's not quite exactly what happened. Sure, but it is a lot of the same stuff that happened. Yeah. And it's this is where we get a different version of Ash. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk in the in the last episode about how that version of Ash is like not the Ash that everybody's used to. Like everybody thinks of the iconic lines and the performance, like you know, with the physical comedy and you know what he really puts himself through in this movie. That's what people think about. Yeah. You know, I mean, people do think about the first one. Mm-hmm. But not as much. And, like, this is, like, more the version of Ash that everyone's familiar with, this version, and the Army of Darkness right. version. So, that's so this is how he, how Ash truly sees himself. Yeah. Is how he sees himself in this movie. Sure. First movie, he's a meek weenie. <laughs> he is. He's, he's, a, he's a weenie. And he, yeah. he lacks the confidence. This Ash does not. Yeah. This, this version of Ash, his name's not even Ashley. This is just Ash, just Ash in this movie. Short and yeah, sweet. This is Ash Williams, not Ashley Williams that we get in the first movie. Yeah. So yeah. this whole movie is him replaying out the traumatic events that just happened to him, but in a more exaggerated version. Sure. And then and then and then Army of Darkness is just the next level in that dream. Oh Inception. He's an Inception in <laughs> He's Inception in. And then so I can't confirm yet. I should be able to confirm at least yeah. whenever I talk the remake, is then Ash vs. Evil Dead, though, is like real-life Ash again, but like 30 years later Yeah, um, after the events of the first one. But the second... So the second, third movie are both dreams in my in my brain it's a very um uh it's 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 you got a house of cards here and i feel like the card to go is watching this fan beloved tv show that has you know however many seasons and i feel it like only has gonna, three okay well you're i feel like you're gonna get past the pilot and you're like oh well, well never mind <laughs> That's exactly it. uh my my theory is a lot less um complicated than that <laughs> i think there was a filmmaker and he wanted to make a sequel and instead of recapping what happened in the first one with everybody and bringing everybody back, he was just like, ah, they, you know, they get it. We'll just bring back a couple of them. Like the first little bit of the movie is, you know, essentially Evil Dead. And then after that, it seems to be Evil Dead mm-hmm. 2, where you're introduced to new characters and new concepts and he loses his hand and all that kind of stuff. But it's a fun idea. It's, it's fun to kind of toil with that kind of stuff for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. <laughs> it's a little more cynical. He just had no money. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think it's interesting because, like, so to show show my cards here a little bit early is I thought I was going to like this one more, or I remember liking this one more yeah. than the original. But I now, in rewatching them back to back, I, I, I went back on Letterboxd. I gave the first one an extra half star. I think I like it more than mm-hmm. this one, but I think that's also because of my feelings about the 2013 yeah. version. Yeah. And I think it makes me appreciate the first one more. And then now that I, even though the film wanted to lean more comedy, I like it more horror leaning. Sure. sure. So it's like in the first one, you know, we get all the buildup of the evil dead and like everything. So it's like this one, yes, you do need to still watch the first one 
because I feel like if you saw this one first, like, yeah, like it'd be fine and you're not missing out as much. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like if you don't see the first one still with this one, you don't appreciate it as much because like they don't build up like the evil dead in this one. It all yeah. happens very quickly. You know, he, yeah. like he, he's killing, he's decapitating Linda within the first like seven minutes. Of like, course. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think with the evil dead series, it, it always helps me to imagine like to use food analogies. I feel like the first evil dead, you've got like a classic pepperoni pizza, you know, it's the foundation. If you can't get a pepperoni pizza, right. Chances are nothing else is probably going to be much better. Mm-hmm. Then the second one, it's a Hawaiian pizza to where it's an acquired taste. It's got a lot more flavor in there. It's very distinctive taste. You like either kind of love it or hate it kind of vibe. And then with the remake, you got like a meat lovers or something like that. You still got, you still got um, kind of pieces of the original, but with just more chunks <laughs> with, with a lot more of that flavor in there. And I think that that's what's something so fantastic about the evil dead franchise is when, you know, you go and watch something like Friday the 13th or something like that. It's like, yeah, you, you've you seen one. You've seen most of them. Like, they've kind of got the similar flavor. Uh, the other episode that we talked about, uh, talked about Final Destination, also kind of a similar thing, uh, where the appeal of that is the kills, and that's kind of why you go and buy a ticket. But at its core, it's kind of the same thing. But with this, each movie and each installment, I haven't seen the TV show either, but each installment is truly something different and it is a complete Mm -hmm. different flavor. And so if you want something a bit more campy and fun um, going with the first one, but something campy, fun, but bonkers and way more violent and ridiculous like the second one. But the the third one, the the not the third one, but the 2013 one uh, seems to be much more of a kind of a straight edge kind of quote unquote serious, even though it does have those moments of camp for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a lot more disturbing and brutal. But I love that one as well. And that was my introduction to the franchise. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have gone back and revisited the other one or visited the other ones if I didn't like that one. Which, Interesting. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I do love that analogy. The pizza analogy. <laughs> I, I do love that. I'll challenge you on the flavors, though. Okay. I would say maybe this one is the supreme pizza. Okay. Um, you know, the with the extra flourishes on it, and then Army of Darkness would be the Hawaiian. That's fair. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I f- that that's that's what I. But, um, and yeah, the uh, 2013 one's definitely the meat lovers. Cause, yeah, because the, the second one's the classic one, you know, mm-hmm. so that can make sense to me how that's like the supreme. You know, you st- like you still got the pepperoni and stuff on there, mm-hmm. but then you add some of the mushrooms and green yeah. peppers and all that. Yeah, I, yeah I, it's I, like, you know, and I, sometimes I, I don't need that. all that. You no, know, sometimes I don't need all that. Sometimes the pepperoni is good with me. Totally. Most of the time, yeah, give me all the meat, though. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> again, show my cards a little early. But give me all the meat. <laughs> we still got two more episodes of this franchise to yeah, get to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this one, um, it, again... So I, I guess we should start with with Ash because again this is kind of more um, when people think of Ash this is the version they're thinking of yeah you know they're thinking of um, him I mean Bruce Campbell gets to you know show a little bit of um, you know the physical comedy and um, in in uh, the first one but I mean this one I mean I have it I have each like little piece uh, by rounds of ash just throwing himself around getting his ass kicked throughout this movie yeah sometimes by himself you know? by himself it's a it's a lot <laughs> yeah like it is a lot and um i i like the the first half of this movie actually a lot 
of when it is just Bruce Campbell. Like this sure. is, you know, the the main first half before the other characters come in is just really all focused on Bruce. Um, you know, again, yeah. this like kind of plays into my dream theory that he's like having these, you know, moral conundrums about what just happened in the Evil Dead. Right. You know, having to kill his sister and his girlfriend yeah. and his friends, you know, like Oh man, he's so he's having that moral conundrum. So I like yeah. that we spend. At least the, he's got a good sense of humor about it, though. <laughs> exactly, he has a good sense of humor. In his about dreams, it. he's like, "Yeah, I killed my sister, but what if it was funny?" You know. <laughs> exactly, and 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 throughout the movie, there's you know a recurring theme of the Evil Dead laughing at Ash yeah. as well, mocking yeah. him, and uh, lots of laughing at him. So it's like um, I like the. Um, you know, internal uh, debate he's having with himself, but of course we um, get to have a lot of fun of him um, physically debating himself as well. Sure, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, uh, he, Bruce Campbell is this, he's an interesting, to me, Bruce Campbell is like, if if you explained what movies were to like an AI, or like, you know, the idea of a leading man, I feel like AI would make someone like Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. He's a very conventionally handsome person. Uh, in the first movie, he's like, he's charming, and he seems to be kind of like the, the leading man kind of archetype, where in this movie, he still has those kind of elements, particularly in the beginning. But once all hell starts to break loose, he's really able to come into what we expect to see with Ash, like you had talked about. He's, you know, a lot more exaggerated. He Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell it seems to be having like such a fun time just screaming and yelling and making like truly like perfect gifable faces and oh, facial yeah. expressions there's a lot of really good stuff in here and when he's you know just there's the the the, the scene you're talking about with the laughing with the lamp and the deer head and all the you know the doors of the kitchen and everything like all like slamming and all laughing at him he's just got like this crazy face which is like kind of the face that he makes in this movie but yeah mm-hmm. it's when I was talking about like the unabridged version and kind of the completely raw filtered version of um, of uh, Evil Dead and, and this whole franchise and what I think it means to a lot of people, this is the version of Ash that they think of. And I think mm-hmm. it really comes through with this movie where he is just like kind of unhinged, to be honest, <laughs> and it really seemed like he was able to just kind of do whatever he wanted to do. And I think it uh, shows up on screen for sure. Oh, yeah. Like um, we, we had talked about similar what you had like literally what you had mentioned about yeah. um him kind of flipping the the typical you know lead man because i mean yeah he does look exactly like that guy he's got a nice strong jaw good hair i mean know, but he nice is a, but then they <laughs> you know uh make him this bumbling yeah you know idiot in a way yeah and um but still allowing him to keep that charm as well um is just like such a it's like Again, one of those performances that like only Bruce Campbell could kind of do. It's something so very distinct, oh, totally. and there's a reason that like you know that Ash is such a like distinct iconic character. Like you know, like when you say Ash Williams, you know you're immediately thinking chainsaw on his hand. You're thinking a shotgun. You're thinking of him doing his eyebrow twitches. You know, like that's what you're thinking of. You know, it's interesting because in the past, I I think it's on even one of my letterbox reviews of like New Nightmare. I had said that, and I stand by this to a degree. Um, I had said that Robert England is the 
in my opinion, is one of, if not the only irreplaceable actor who portrays like an iconic character in horror. You would maybe think like, what about Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs? It's like, well, there's a pretty great Hannibal TV show a lot of people love, and he's playing a different version. And also Anthony Hopkins wasn't the first person to play, you know, that uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter. I would hear an argument for Bruce Campbell as Ash, like, because I really can't think of a lot of other actors who could do this well. Maybe we also haven't really seen it, so it's kind mm-hmm. of hard to, you know, it all be based on hypotheticals, but I would be curious to see of, like, another person take a crack at this if they were to do, like, some kind of reboot or something like that, uh, which I don't think that they will do. Ash versus Evil Dead, the TV show, seemed to be kind of the, the swan song of this series. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I would totally be willing to hear an argument for why Ash deserves to be on that rather short list of, like, irreplaceable iconic horror characters yes like i i completely agree um because yeah again there's just something it's the combination of like yeah he has that every look but there's not uh somebody that can replicate just like that specific performance yeah the uh only other name that i can think of off the top of my head that also belongs on that list is um brad dorif as chucky yeah um, he has been Chucky for all seven movies, and yeah, we had the 2019 version. Did I say not a big Mark Hamill guy? <laughs> well, the 2019 version of Child's Play, that is not Chucky. That That's Buddy. Oh, that's true. And it's not, it's not a doll possessed by a serial killer that put yeah. himself in there by voodoo. It's like microchips and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's like, that's not Chucky. That's a Child's sure, Play movie, sure. but it's not a Chucky movie. Right. As far as portraying Chucky, I mean, and Brad Dorif is, you know, helming him as usual for the TV series. Yeah. Oh, I'm so jacked for that fucking show. <laughs> but I would say he is another one on the list that, like, there's just... It's too distinct um, yeah. of a character and performance specifically to like kind of replace those characters. For sure. Um, Maybe that deserves its own episode, like iconic, you know, kind of irreplaceable ironclad performances in horror, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to, uh, I got some stuff planned for, for 2022 and uh, kind of switching up some of the, uh, adding some more special like list type episodes for sure. like yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely uh, do some more of that, but. Um, but yeah, Bruce Campbell gets uh, a lot of uh, credit throughout this movie, you know, whether it's him by himself battling with the deadite version of Linda's head. So there, there's round one. Round two, we have Ash uh, versus Linda's dead body. Yeah. Uh, wielding the chainsaw first and he like gets it to like cut itself in half. Yeah. Um, with the chainsaw, which I was like, oh, hey, look at uh, 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 I, I'm noticing more of um, the less obvious homages that 2013 has to the original one. Oh yeah. And this one, it kind of, you know, reminds me of uh, the shot at the end of the 2013 film. Of course. Yeah. Um, and, and I love uh, during that part. Um, and then the part specifically where Ash has to saw his hand off. Yeah. There's something about, and I, I love this one. It pops up in other movies too. Like, just people getting spewed in the face with yeah. a lot of a liquid, usually blood, <laughs> but not always a blood, but just yeah. getting spewed in the face. And then there's, like, a, 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 where there's always the moment where it's, like, obviously it's disgusting and they don't like that it's happening. But then there's, like, a moment where it's, like, they're almost, like, basking in it. And, like, there's a, and sure. so, like, when he, like, cuts his hand off and, like, 
he could easily move his face out of the way of the blood, but yeah. no, he just takes it and he's yelling and laughing maniacally. Right. And I feel like that's just like the core attitude of this franchise. It's just like getting spewed in the face, but like not, but you're in, you're having you're, fun. You're having with a good it, time though. about it. Yeah. There's <laughs> that. And there's the scene where he like sees the hole in the wall and there's like blood coming out of it. And he like goes to investigate and it's like this absolute monsoon of blood. Like it would make, uh, it would make the shining blush with like how much blood is in this scene. Like it is, it's, it, it's insane. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter how much like blood you think that there is when you go and revisit it. You're like, oh, there's actually more than I remembered. Oh, yeah. It's it's very much adheres to like that comedy rule where it's like, um, you know, when you think it's been long enough for the joke hold for like one more beat. Yeah, that's like every single time in this movie. Sure. Um, you know, whether it's when it's coming out of the wall or whenever. um uh jake is in the cellar door as legs are just dangling out and then yeah. getting doused again right, with right. just uh you know gallons upon gallons of blood yeah and and i love it it's again one of my favorite things about this franchise is just like i love gratuitous blood in a horror movie yeah. just unnatural amounts just where does it all come from <laughs> like i love that like it's just my jam yeah and then again it's like we get you know, plenty of blood in this one. We get black, like, you know, ooze that comes from, like, the deadites as well. Right. Then we got the house is leaking green. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if in the hash-slinging slash episode, the walls oozing green slime. I wonder yeah. if that's, like, a, a, reference, a, to a reference to this movie. Let's ask. Yeah, let's let, – oh, never mind. He passed away, so we can't, we can't bring him up on the phone. <sighs> Damn. Sorry, Steve Hillenberg. Didn't Damn. mean to bring down the mood. On <laughs> oh, you got to do them like that. Damn. Shout uh, out to Steve Hillenberg. <laughs> yeah, pour one out. Pour one out for the boy. But I feel like it has to be yeah, like, for a, sure. a, a very yeah. specific reference uh, to this movie. Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, give me give me all the liquids in this movie. Yeah, he's got a severed hand with like a like a, a tool on it as well. He's got like the spatula hand instead of, you know, a chainsaw. So well, I, I can like see it. I feel like the whole episode is like a, a, a references to a bunch of horror movies. Yeah, Nosferatu to himself is yeah. literally in it. Nosferatu <laughs> is in the movie or in that episode. Yeah. Um yeah, so definitely here um one thing I did want to bring up that I don't like as much mm-hmm. in compared to the first one is um uh, the look of the deadites in this one. Okay. Uh not it, it, I just don't like the particular look especially like when it like kind of like like makes it like look like a weird like exaggerated like horse head or something yeah and they like kind of but i i also like that this kind of makes deadites more than just like kind of zombies yeah uh, in a in a way because then it's like you know deadites are like oh they just take the form of anything that is horrifying or grotesque yeah you know and we get a lot of that in this movie but at the same time i like the simplicity of uh the deadites in the original and like the 2013 version that's just like it's simply a possessed version of a person now like someone's soul has been claimed and now they are a deadite version of themselves i like the simplicity of that yeah a little bit more but like again it's like sam raimi is just like well i got more money For i'm sure. a and i like the there is like a, a big variety here of looks versus um For sure the, the other films yeah there also seems to be like a progression of maybe like how long the person is 
you know, possessed or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, where they're when they first are possessed, they're a little bit more. They just kind of look like themselves a bit, but when they, you know, are maybe a bit more uh, taken over by the deadite version of themselves, they're a bit grosser. <laughs> um, and I, something that I like about the way that they look here is they have those like really pronounced like eye sockets and their mm-hmm. eyes look like a lot more sunken in with those, with those contact lenses, the white contacts. Uh, and Bruce Campbell's able to, when he's uh, the dead eye version of himself, he's able to like elongate his face, like in a really unnatural way, which is just uh-huh. like really uh, interesting, like a kind of disturbing little performance, like aspect of his. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Like the, 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 the first movie seems like there seemed like kind of, uh, like pussier and kind of like puffier. Mm. Like they look like embalmed almost a little bit. Like yeah. it's very, or this one, they're a lot more sunken in for sure. So it's, yeah. inter- it's interesting that, you know, what a little bit of money can do. <laughs> yeah. I, and I do love a uh, dead eye version of Ash um, sprinkled in. And like you said, like uh, being able to use Bruce Campbell's already like natural facial contortion. Yeah. What like, a freak. <laughs> like, cause he, he makes the, those faces a lot when he's just like screaming dramatically in this movie. Yeah. For when sure. he's just like going, no, he like yeah. makes this like his like face like slants. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm getting attacked by the dog as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna turn into a deadite. <laughs> no, but like in the I think it's Army of Darkness. They actually like uh, which I'm sure you'll talk about. They like have this big prosthetic jaw for him. Like the yeah. hinges. Like that's the, it. Just seems like a caricature version of these weird kind of rubbery faces uh, faces that he's able to do. Um, and that just, uh, you know, kind of feeds into what we're talking about with the performance of him and these like very specific choices uh, that he that he does uh, for sure. But yeah. Yeah. And and again, like we get, you know, so much more of um, like Bruce Campbell's like willingness uh, to to just put himself through hell for these movies, you know, like. Yeah. You know, like literally just throwing himself around um, this cabin, like again, where we have. Uh, round three, uh, which would be Ash versus his own hand. Yeah. Uh, just like that's like a real showcase of Bruce Campbell's um talent and like what he the effort they puts into as Bruce or as Ash. Yeah. In this film, like just I love that scene so much of like yeah. literally just like it's you know straight up some Three Stooges type shit. You know that yeah. you know Sam Raimi is obviously a big fan of, but like I just love like him just like hurling himself around. Yeah, and it's also kind of like this weird fucked up take on like the Adams family, where like you have that hand mm-hmm. like that crawls around. It's like in that all of that. Like yeah, there are some special effects when he cuts it off eventually, but um, a lot of that is just makeup and performance of him's kind of selling that, especially when he's like knocked out on the ground and it kind of like wakes up and like pulls him. Like it uses like the 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 weight of the the fingers to like pull him along the ground all that's just like him just selling that and just completely committing and i have to i have to wonder what sam raimi bribed him maybe they're just like close friends because bruce campbell like just his full body just commits to this to this movie and i imagine like we're talking about taking all that blood to the face is probably doesn't feel very good it's probably kind of painful (laughs) and a lot of the stuff that he does in this he's like you know, completely like full sending it, which, you know, you gotta, you gotta give him his props for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the first one was a notorious, like, you know, it was a very tough shoot, but everybody, you know, was buying in. They had, you know, they did have fun with it, but it was like very tough. I feel like this one, probably they did get to have a little bit more fun. You know, they both had a little bit more experience on their belt. 
And I, I, and again, like, yeah, they've been friends since college. So yeah, Bruce Campbell is just like, you know, I, I, and I think that is interesting, you know, uh, having the relationship between like the actor and director, like would another actor like, you know, give that, you know, if it wasn't the case, like, um, yeah, I do like, find you that want me interesting. To do what now? <laughs> exactly. Versus like, let's go. <laughs> exactly. Like that's how, like, I kind of, uh, think of like me and me and, uh, Tyler who has been on the show yeah. uh, before, um, you know, there's I whenever I'm writing and coming up with ideas like there are definitely ones I'm like okay I can really only ask Tyler to do this For like sure. yeah like this is the only person I could get away with uh legally asking <laughs> someone to do this Tyler will do it um so yeah you gotta love that uh relationship yeah um so we do get some uh other side characters that come in a little bit later and um and again, I guess watching them just like back to back, I do appreciate the side characters of the first movie a little bit more. Sure. Um, but these characters are just here to service uh, becoming deadites and to cause mayhem and not yeah. not meant to have like they, they try to do like a little bit of emotional stuff with like um, um, the 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 gal who's parents own the cabin sure and like they they try to do stuff with that and her and like uh, just a smidge but you know they're not they're not here for that um but the the introduction of um like when we see them away from the cabin um before they get there yeah and um bobby joe um her character which i mean she's obviously like super gorgeous super hot and she's like trying to be this like badass and stuff yeah and she goes to spit and it's just terrible like it like <laughs> it like drips down her chin and her keeping a straight face while doing that is just yeah like hilarious to me yeah i feel like uh, a lot of the other kind of secondary tertiary characters in this movie um there's a lot less of an emotional connection there and I think considering that this film is inherently less uh, straightforward, it's kind of, it's it's a lot sillier. And I think with that, you're mostly just needing uh, cannon fodder for Ash. I mean, if, if you had talked about, like, you had liked a lot of this movie where it was just him, I could understand where that can only go for so long, where he's like, yeah. he, he eliminated the threat without him making him look like too much of an idiot, you know, if it took him the whole movie to eliminate one dead eye, you'd be like, well, good luck against an army in the sequel, man. You know, mm-hmm. but you have to have like, you can, you know, bodies to, to, to zombify and to, to, to make the undead. So yeah, I, I can understand the, uh, the hesitancy to make them too emotional or, or, or whatever the case oh, yeah. may be, but yeah, they're completely there just to, you know, Oh, what weird, gross stuff are we going to do to them in this movie? Exactly. Um, Totally. And I do get that. Um, we do need it. And it's, and again, it's interesting seeing, um, they re recreate some of the scenes from the first one, yeah. but with this new group. So again, like this plays into my dream theory here, like, cause there's, uh, the scene where, you know, it's like, they obviously show up and they think that Ash murdered his girlfriend and is just hanging out in their cabin now. Right. So they're, they're freaked out. And then, um, so we get round three, Ash versus Jake, um, and Jake, you know, storms in, they start beating, um, Ash's ass for a hot minute and Ash literally gets kicked into the cellar the same exact way that like Steve does to Cheryl in the first one. Yeah. Except now it's Ash getting, uh, kicked down. Right. Cal, you little monster. 
Are you turning into a deadite cow? <laughs> Come here. He's trying to eat my hand. I think he's he is. He's he's he's. Oh no! He knocked my watch cover off. LOL. This episode is literally <laughs> turning into an Evil Dead movie. I have Cal tied up now. <laughs> he's in the cellar. <laughs> yeah, he's literally in the cellar right now. <laughs> he's like he's he's gonna start talking and be like. Dad, like, I thought we were, you know, d- doing the whole thing. Papa, yeah. what are you doing this to me for? <laughs> G- giving us the, the puppy eyes now. He's literally, I will swallow your hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cal. Um, but, yeah, the um, you know, they, th- we were talking about the, the side characters. And, yes. Uh, they're, <clears throat> they're just there, yeah, to be uh, messed with throughout the movie. And um, you know, more of the homages. We don't we we don't have tree rape in this movie, but um, they again they like still homage that scene, but then play it for laughs in this time where right. we get uh Bobby Joe is just like drugged through the forest by the tree. You think it's gonna happen sure. again, and they do kind of set it up that way, like as yeah. they do like a little bit of the clothes tear again. Yeah. And I I couldn't remember. I was like, oh man. I was like, do they do it again? Yeah. Um, I guess it's not as funny, you know. But this, yeah, but this time there was like, ah, oh, now now we're just gonna <laughs> comedically drag her through the woods through puddles yeah. and shit, you know. Yeah. There's like a slide whistle sound effect, and you know, yeah, it's not as not as funny. <laughs> the, and the and the Evil Dead too. Um, like the 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 sound design on this one. Yeah. Like when it's going through the forest, it literally sounds more like a motorcycle. Sure. And I feel like that's like, I don't know, maybe like kind of part like a play on um because apparently like the last shot of the first one was Sam Raimi like riding. I don't know if it was a bike or a motorcycle, but like with a camera attached to like, oh, yeah, get yeah, that yeah. last effect. And that's like literally what like sounds like now is like when it does the POV, it like sounds like a just like a motorcycle instead of like them trying to like make it spookier and just like yeah everything just seems yeah it's just you know a, a little bit more goofy all yeah around. totally heightened and everything and yeah and i that's if you're wanting to make a movie that is this really nightmarish kind of cartoon you know you might as well have the the silly sound effects in there too that's totally uh totally a part of it yeah like um you know it just uh kind of adds to that the the slapstick feel for sure um that you kind of get throughout and, um, you know, the, the third act of this one is just, you know, it's just kind of balls to the wall. We get deadites of different forms. I kind of forgot that, um, that, uh, the tree actually like has a face and a mouth in this yeah, one right. as like this, like full on like present thing. And, and again, I don't know if it's just because I, of me watching them kind of not back to back. I mean, I watched the other one last week, but, um, right. You know, again, I, I think I appreciate the 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 concept of the evil dead more um like within as being like kind of you know this just faceless presence um you know rather than like kind of seeing it in all these different forms um like because again another one of my favorite scenes in this one is just like um it's like right before jake and bobby joe show up where ash is um in the room it's like before like everything starts laughing but mm-hmm. there's like one of the more serious tent scenes where it's just like the evil dead, like trying to get into the house. And right. uh, it's where we kind of get like, you know, um, the the great examples of like the quick cuts in this one where it's like kind of just going to the different corners and windows and doors and sure. I- I- individual locks that the evil dead is like trying to get into. Yeah. And it's like one of the few like more serious tent scenes and then they release it with this, like, you know, big, you know, um, more comedic scene of, like, Ash getting laughed at by all the things. Yeah. Um, but that's just, like, 
a good example of even in like the laughing at him and all that kind of stuff, it's still pretty spooky. Like it's very bizarre and like maniacal and just unhinged. And I think that that's a good a good measure of a, a great horror comedy, which is like one of my favorite subgenres. Is mm-hmm. you know it's it's a very like you know discussed idea, but like the line between horror and comedy is so thin. That's why this genre you know works so well is because these mm-hmm. two ideas and these two flavors are so you know intimate with one another and that's what you know you you have to have a good balance between the fun the and mm-hmm. the you know the, the scary and this movie like has a really good mix of that there's a lot of that the quote-unquote scariness of it is a lot of the gore and the the body horror of it all uh but it's it's it looks at this weird nightmare with kind of a, a, a chuckle, which just, you know, kind of makes the whole thing feel so unique and so, so fun, especially compared to the original as well as the, the, the 2013 remake too. Yeah. And, and, and some of that even comes through a lot more in the editing in this one as well. Yeah. Um, it just kind of has a, you know, quicker, it obviously this film has a quicker pace to it overall. Yeah. But um, it's a quick watch too. It's like 85 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a super, super breezy watch. And yeah. just like, I like how there's a lot more emphasis on, um, like, when it's cutting between, like, the, the things happening. Yeah. They make sure to cut to the, the cast's facial expressions, like, a lot. Yeah. And, uh, again, it, like, kind of feels like that, uh, Burbank Airport is killing it today. <laughs> Straight killing it. Really proficient. Yeah. yeah. But, um... But like there was one scene specifically, it like kind of it like felt very like sitcommy, yeah. Because it was like you know they're reacting to stuff around the cabin happening, sure. But each time they like go like cabin, cabin, cut to somebody's face, and then they're like looking at their eyes shifting back and forth. Then they're like everybody's doing like the real exaggerated facial expressions in this yeah. one, yeah. And um, just that like I I like the um you know idea of like you kind of get a full range of like emotions of like what a viewer could feel if like you know they're putting themselves in that situation because we literally get to see four different people reacting all at once and there just seems to be like kind of an emphasis on that in mm-hmm. that and just the the speed overall in the editing here yeah i think that's what makes sam raimi's style so distinctive and something that some people have tried to um replicate before uh but i think he really perfects it and does have this like I was talking about, like it feels like this movie just like chugged a six pack of Red Bull and did a line of blow before they started, you know, like that that, that gives it this real frenetic energy and this when you when you cut to those when you cut to those faces and they're very exaggerated, it gives us this like comic kind of cartoon style to it. Uh and it makes it just feel like like even that idea is kind of anxiety inducing, like to where mm-hmm. it just feels so frenetic and it never really takes a chance to pause. Um, I think that that can totally contributes to the overall kind of mood and feel of this, <laughs> of this uh, movie for sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, and you can see the, like you said, a lot of people have like tried to imitate it or a lot of people have been inspired by Sam Raimi's very specific type of filmmaking. Like right. he is one of those directors that like, you know, has Raimi isms that you like, sure. know, right off the like back of your hand. Right. I, I would say like the director, I think maybe takes the most influence would be like maybe Edgar Wright. I could see that. And uh, the, especially in like, you know, um, the Shaun of the Dead suit up scene feels pretty much like a For direct sure. homage to Ash suiting up in this totally, movie. Yeah. Know, very iconic scene where, um, you know, he's 
putting the chainsaw in his hand. He saws off the shotgun. He's got it rocked and loaded. And this is the far, the first time that we actually hear Ash say groovy. Right. Never says it once in the first movie. Yeah. But and it's it, like his it, trademark but it feels line. It, but yeah. it's his trademark line. Um very interesting. Yeah. Uh, love that scene though. Like the again, the editing of it is just like really fun. Right. And um uh, Bruce Campbell just like really selling it. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if uh, Edgar like has any what other horror influence because he's a he's a you know big movie guy. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. he's very well well versed in his film, and I'd be curious to see what other influences he has in Last Night in Soho, which is like his first horror movie that he's ever done. You know, I mean, aside from Shaun of the Dead, if you count that, um, but yeah. it's like straight up horror, horror movie, not a horror comedy. I'd be curious to see if he has any other kind of um, who's going to come through the cracks a little bit. Uh, will Sam yeah. Raimi be one of them? Probably not. It doesn't quite seem like that kind of movie, but we'll have to see. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, Edgar Wright's always kind of played in the the genre world. I mean, really just with the Cornetto trilogy, because sure. like, they all kind of have a genre edge to them in some way. For sure. Um, yeah, definitely excited for Last Night in Soho. Um, but yeah, the the movie kind of just has uh, the the finale is just like kind of just lots of mayhem going on. We get deadites of every different version, whether it just like, looks like the human, looks more creature like. We have a giant tree, yeah, and um, and uh, we get Ash, you know, uh, defeating the Evil Dead with a, a with a great one liner as well. Um, yeah, and 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 it's fun, you know, it is fun. I I just. Ca- I don't know. Like, it's not that I dislike this movie. <laughs> I just came away. I was like, huh. I was like, I feel a completely different way than I thought I felt about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think maybe um, you watched it this morning, didn't you? Yeah. Maybe that could be a part of it. Like, That's I feel it. like it's a fun movie to watch in a crowd uh, with like a group mm-hmm. of people. I feel like uh, usually this might be like a hot take. I don't know if I'm alone in this. I like to watch horror movies like is as intimate as kind of situation as possible watching a horror movie and like with a full sold out crowd is like scary to me like i don't not scary mm. like in a good way like oh scary like somebody's yeah. gonna talk and laugh and be annoying like i no, i would much rather watch a horror movie on my big tv that i have which is fine you know it's fine size it's not like i'm watching it on like a nokia flip phone or something and mm-hmm. have it be you know 11 30 at night and i've all the lights are off and i've got a candle lit and i'm watching the movie whereas this i feel like is an example of a film that i'd want to watch is in a big crowd like a big rowdy like alamo draft house kind of crowd mm-hmm. like this would i think that is the ideal setting for this um to where you're able to enjoy the the insanity of everything with mm-hmm. with you know the the with the company of others i feel like doing it by yourself it's one of those things where it's like you're able to to get a piece of it but i i've never seen it in the theater i've only seen it just like you know on my tv at home um but i would love to go to like a, a rowdier screening and there's you know we live in la there's mm-hmm. probably going to be some of them but i'll have to keep my oh, eye yeah. out and see if anybody's gonna gonna do something like that because uh those kind of those kind of screenings pop up all the time uh, but yeah i think this is a great example of one of those horror movies that based on your experience and the mm-hmm. kind of your the, the scenery around it i think could legitimately impact like the the f- amount of fun that you could have with this you know Oh, yeah. And like, I definitely do remember having a more fun time. Like the last time I watched this was like with like, you know, like it was like six friends in a dorm room type of situation, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) perfect. It was great. Um, But yeah, like because I'm pretty similar to you, like I I prefer to pretty much just watch horror alone. Yeah. Um, You know, um, 
as isolated as possible, you know, and very dark and yeah. uh, turn my music up loud and like really kind of yeah. like sink into it. Turn the subwoofer on just because fuck it. I mean, you know? I like, I, you know, I have to like get into a whole tangent about it, but isn't that kind of the thing, you know, mm-hmm. like being alone is like a lot scarier than being sur- when you're surrounded by a lot of people. It's yeah. like, What's going to happen, you know? But, but yeah, but definitely certain ones. Like, you know, I feel like it's interesting now um, with Malignant being in theaters and on HBO Max. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys can watch it on HBO Max. I'm like, but please go to a theater and go watch it. Like, See, I went and saw it in a theater and I didn't have a pleasant experience. Like, I watched it and it was, yes, it's a horror comedy and it's silly and it's fun. And there's definitely that kind of flavor that I was talking about, like, with, with this movie. But for me, it was like every five seconds somebody was like laughing and it was just like, I get it. It's a funny, silly kind of camp movie, <laughs> but I was like, you know, a Will Ferrell movie wasn't getting as much laughs as that was. And that was the kind of thing where I was like eight, uh, six guys in a dorm rooms. Perfect. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's it, what she said, but you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but, Ooh, yeah. Uh, but no, but like watching that, uh, I think there's a, there's a fine line watching it with, with, you know, people and they're all having a good time and they're all there for it. I saw Halloween kills at a, you know, sold out crowd, all horror, horror fans and, you know, laughed at the parts you're supposed to laugh at, shut mm-hmm. up. And then, you know, cheer at the parts you're supposed to cheer at and have a good time and all kind of experience the thing. But, uh, yeah, I think that this is a great example of, yeah. you know, the, the company of people totally could uh, impact your, uh, impact your experience. And if I think that that there's nothing wrong with that either, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and we were talking about um, how I went and saw T10 last night yes. um, before. And I wonder how my experience would have been a little bit different if I saw it with a crowd. There was literally three other people in the theater <laughs> while I saw it. Yeah. And it just like kind of felt a little more awkward. Well, I saw, I did <laughs> see it with a crowd, which is weird because I'm from small town Indiana. And I would have had to have driven probably 90 minutes to go see Teton. Um, and you know, it would have been me and three other weirdos in the theater, like it was with you. Uh, but being in LA, it was like, it was not quite sold out, but it was like, you know, 60% capacity probably. Mm -hmm. And, uh, a lot of, it was like, wasn't rowdy or anything, but when there was those like gross out kind of scenes, like some of those body horror stuff, you got a lot of like, uh," you know, those Mm -hmm. kind of noises, like that was, that was fun, but that that was kind of about it. Uh, Aside from how crazy that movie can get where people are just kind of like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) Again, a a different communal experience with that one. Uh, this franchise definitely has that like across the board because yeah. like I'm so glad I saw the 2013 remake in theater with I, a sold out crowd. I like, did too. Yeah. Oh man, it's, it's still one of my all time favorite. The chainsaw kill at the end. Oh, it's the best. It's it's, it's so good. yeah one of my all time favorite theater going experiences. Yep, so, I remember uh, mine vividly. Yes. Yeah. This this franchise definitely um holds that holds that. Uh, special place yeah Yeah. and and you and you might be right like i I feel like i might have been hard on this movie (laughs) a little bit um and especially because i felt like i was going hard on the first one last week too but then i was like no like i still i I appreciate that one quite a bit but um but yeah yeah i think it's interesting watching a movie like this and um like maybe how I would, the kind of lens that I would have versus like some other horror movies that are a bit, and it sounds pretentious, but maybe a bit more highbrow, maybe require a bit more attention. Something like Titan, for example, I think I can go in there with my, you know, quote unquote, like kind of critic glasses and watch it and try to think of all the themes and the symbolism and all the, 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 you know, the whatever. But with, with 
Evil Dead. It's I think you're getting a certain kind of flavor here. And like the pizza conversation that we had at the beginning, you know what you're getting. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a gourmet meal. It's and, a big greasy pizza yeah. and take a big bite out of and it. And, and it depends fun, on you know? yeah. Depends on what kind of pizza you're feeling that day. Sure. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know, for sure. Um and and but I did wanna of course touch on the uh of course the ending. Uh, where it does end with the lead up into Army of Darkness, you know, yeah, um, yeah, he yeah. does get sucked into a portal, ends up in medieval times, and and I want to know medieval times, like he ends up at the festival, medieval times, like in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that would also he gets be... his mutton and his can of coke or whatever. <laughs> well, hey, it might have been a drunken stupor, and this is what he remembers about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that was last weekend before they went to the cabin. He went to medieval times. <laughs> exactly. See, it, it it all falls in my theory again. This is just next level of dreamland. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about that more. But I do want to. Think about like imagine watching this in eighty seven, and then you had to wait five years. Yeah, for Army of Darkness. Like, damn. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I know it was like you know studio shuffles around, and we're gonna get into that more next episode. Sure. But um, I just want to like I imagine being in theaters, and again, like since there was an internet, so you don't know any of this behind the scenes stuff, and like yeah, how that was. <coughs> Bless you. Oh, hail Satan. <laughs> and 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 you don't know that um you know that was his original idea going yeah. into this one. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, like sitting in theaters, you see this ending and you go, "What? They're not gonna make another one in medieval times?" Yeah, you know, they sure do. And yeah, they, and yeah. they sure do. So I I find that pretty interesting. And the world's a better place for it. <laughs> exactly. So to to close out the episode, I had an interesting question yes. for you. That would be again. Sam Raimi, pretty much, he got a bigger budget, had, you know, some more filmmaking under his belt. And even though he does do enough different in this movie to separate it from the original, again, he did kind of just get to make the same movie again. So, you know, what would be another movie and like director pairing specifically where you would like to see the director kind of get a second attempt at their same movie. Yeah. And I was looking through, um, some horror favorites of mine and it's, I always feel so strangely about remakes because it's like, well, the remakes that I want to see are bad movies, you know, Uh, or like movies that, you know, like I I don't want to see a good movie remade. It's like, Oh, Hitchcock psycho is so good. Let's let somebody else do it worse. You know, like that just doesn't sound very appealing to me. But my mind did turn to like horror short films. And one uh, that I saw, it was 2018 horror short film. I saw uh, South by Southwest. Uh, it's called Other Side of the Box. And it's directed by Caleb J. Phillips. Uh, and it's a really interesting, very, I think it won like the grand prize of like the, the horror shorts there. But you have this couple and they receive this box from uh, a guy that this woman used to date. Uh, and they open up the box and it's like this empty black void. Where like they they don't see anything in there. There's not like a bottom of the box. It's literally just like empty nothingness. And they like look away for like five seconds, and they look back, and there's like a pair of eyes like peeking out of it. And every time they look away, like this thing comes out of this box. And I would always be curious to see what that would look like more or like what's the journey of this this box are there more things in the box like are there weird monsters or is it just Mm -hmm. like this one guy you Mm -hmm. know and i the 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 idea that this guy at the beginning had this box and he passed it off to that person that would be interesting to me to see this kind of shuffling 
of this box, maybe kind of like ring style where you have this videotape that's going around, mm -hmm. but seeing this idea of this box being passed on from person to person and somebody's, you know, there's a, probably a way to beat this thing and to, and to survive. That would be, I'd be really curious to see that given like a really proper budget. But if the director's not interested in doing that, I'd love to see a feature length film of whatever they're making. Cause I just, I thought the for being a short film had such promise and I'd love to see more from that director for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, we definitely do get that route that kind of happens a lot. I mean, we even get that here. Um, you know, there was a short form. Uh, uh, there was a short film version of Evil Dead called Within the Woods. Yeah, that was made basically as a proof of concept, so totally. that way they could get money for the first one. Yeah, and that does kind of tend to happen, or some people do. Um, get to like say they make their short film as like their senior project or whatever, and then. Uh, they might go on to make that film, yeah, that's as in the case of Lights Out and uh, James yeah. Wan with Saw. Yeah, and then yeah, happens uh, quite often. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and and I definitely I kind of like um, I have certain ideas that I'm writing that I'm kind of writing it in that sense. I'm like I'm gonna sure. have the the short film version, but then like if I'm able to expand upon it. Uh, would definitely be cool, mm -hmm. and um, I kind of bent the the question or the your, the, your own question. <laughs> I, I bent my own question here. <laughs> I didn't know we with could my do that answer, um, because yeah, that's that's what we're doing here. Your podcast, you make the rules. Um, it, but because I want to call back to um, I, the the first franchise I covered on the podcast was the the Chucky franchise. Okay, and we kind of brought it up a little bit ago, and um, it, I. Th find it interesting that Don Mancini kind of got to because he so he made his the the he wrote the first three you know mm -hmm. but he didn't direct any of them he yeah. his directorial debut was with uh Seed of Chucky mm -hmm. um and then he did uh Curse and Cult of Chucky after that and I find it interesting like Curse of Chucky is like one of my favorites in the franchise because mm -hmm. it's very similar to the first one yeah and it's like kind of interesting of it, like kind of doing a lot of the similar things of the first one that Don Mancini wrote in, but somebody else directed. Sure. Versus Curse of Chucky, he gets to do the simple movie that he wrote first originally, and then gets to direct it himself. Yeah. Um, with Curse of Chucky, and I find that very fascinating. Um, to like kind of watch Curse of Chucky and being like, oh, you know, like what if this was if Don Mancini got to direct the first Chucky sure. himself, or what would the first Chucky look like so even though he did kind of do that with curse of chucky i think the first child's play which i still love um but it's kind of in the middle of the franchise for me if right. we're being honest um but i think it would be cool to see don mancini actually get to direct his script of the first child's play I think yeah. that'd be cool. And that happens all the time with horror where somebody comes along, makes a thing, gets super popular, and then, you know, kind of gets, evolves and grows and changes and switches hands and things like that. But Don Mancini, that's always seemed to be his baby, whether or not mm -hmm. he's directed it or not. You know, like we were just talking about Halloween, Carpenter was involved to a certain extent. And then, you know, when he wasn't, it went different directions. But mm -hmm. it's great that he's been able to really kind of uh, spearhead that and champion this series from its inception. Like, that's great. And a, a true rarity uh, in not just horror, but like Hollywood in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, uh, ooh, and another similar one would be... Um, Christopher B. Landon, he kind of hopped into the final, uh, into the Paranormal Activity franchise in the third installment. Mm -hmm. But what if he would have been 
writing and directing from the beginning and oh, did the whole thing. I still franchise. probably would have hated it. <laughs> oh, you're not a fan. No, I hate that series so much. <laughs> have you have you watched you should marathon them. Oh god, that sounds like a, a dare. That sounds like hor- like a that's the real scare is me not falling asleep with those movies. <laughs> like this is like kind of a case that like with like say the Fast and Furious franchise, like when you marathon them, yeah. it feels better and it feels more cohesive and you kind of can appreciate sure. the, the the twists and turns of the franchise a lot more. Paranormal activity franchise is like a lot more interconnected than people kind of give it credit for. And when you marathon it, yeah, with like the time jumps back and forth and then like seeing connections that were brought in from like the movie that you think is a spin off, but no, it's still like very yeah. much firm. Like if you marathon it, I think you enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. That's just what I think. But yeah. to each their own. To I each their own. <laughs> but yeah, if you if you are up for the dare, totally do it. Yeah, it sounds like I'm being punished, but <laughs> I mean yeah, it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of movie. Yeah. And the VHS aesthetic does wane on your eyes after a bit. For sure. But no. Uh, uh, yeah. If you marathon it, I feel like it, it, it plays a little bit better. But I'll take your word for it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next Halloween. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're going to voluntold me to, to do the, the next series. It's going to be Paranormal Activity. And you're like, Garrett, I booked you for six of them. So <laughs> study <Yeah>. up. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the dark side. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for coming on and chatting uh, Evil Dead 2 with me. And, yeah. and you were on... Wh- because you did Final Destination 2. Which is uh, not yet released. Not yet I, released, but you have a thing it. for sequels, it seems. Yeah, I think it's like we had talked about, that sequels are really where something can come into its own and mm-hmm. really decide what it wants to be. Um, I'm a big Friday the 13th guy, and that's absolutely this, the, the case with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I could hear arguments that, you know, Scream and Nightmare, some of the Wes Craven stuff. It's like, nah, he kind of nailed it the first time. <laughs> um, but even Nightmare as well, it's like totally the, the thing that you were remember it for maybe isn't the case in the first movie mm-hmm. um where friday the 13th it's like well no once you get like in the threes and you know the fours like it really starts to evolve uh but yeah final destination and and uh, this as well i think it's once you get past some of the explaining the rules of the universe and all that kind of things once you get into those sequels you can start to have a little bit of fun Ooh, last question on sequels because you mentioned you just watched Hellraiser two for the first time. Yes, better than the first, or what? Or like the first one better? It's certainly different than the first. Um, it really gets into a lot of the lore, and I, I, I think the lore is interesting, but it kind of lost me a little bit. I was getting lost in the weeds a little bit. I think the first one is this weird like psychosexual like super gory violent like bdsm kind of thing and then the second one is a lot of like what is the lore of everything and i i I wasn't i I liked it but from what i gathered the first and second one are the only ones worth watching so i'll probably cap it off there i I was not inspired to continue to go because i imagine they get a little bit more lore heavy and i was a little uh uh confused disinterested probably a mixture of the two yeah um the 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 second one like yeah the the first one is a it kind of like a similar situation here like you know it's like it's good you see the sprinkles um two definitely has a lot more flavor if you want it um and it also but it does have our girl jules as the the main villainess in this one and like i mean right uh you know uh, uncle frank is good in the first one (laughs) but i mean no to to julie no 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 yeah like so 
Um, and but I, I've heard three has a cult following. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trucking with the Hellraiser franchise <laughs> and see if it see if it's worthy of covering on the on here on the podcast. Um, we'll we'll have to find out. Do tell. Yeah. I, I hear uh, Scott Derrickson. He he directs like the fifth one, oh. like the fifth or sixth one. Cool. I like um, him. Which is interesting. Yeah, I uh, like him. Yeah. So. Uh, we who's who knows? Maybe in the future we might dive into the Hellraiser franchise. Maybe yeah. you might have to bring you back for it. But thank you for coming on today. Where can uh, the people find you? What you're working on? Yeah, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, just at Garrett McDowell, and uh, uh, YouTube uh, at Garrett McDowell as well. Um, I've got uh, a Star Wars podcast. If you're into that kind of thing, um, since I've been moving out to LA, since I've moved out to LA, I've been doing a lot more reviews. So I've got plenty of stuff coming. Uh, Lamb. Uh, review coming Teton eventually when I get around to it new bond as well so I got plenty of stuff uh, coming down the pipeline when I find some time for it but yeah if you want some more of whatever this was then <laughs> you can follow me there or you can subscribe to me there and you'll you'll get plenty of it you'll see my face everywhere <laughs> yeah appreciate you uh, appreciate having you on and um, so obviously we are going to continue the franchise on next episode um with army of darkness um i've only seen this one once mm. and it was like a very long time ago so um this uh, this is a a turning point uh in in our series coverage we'll see how i feel on um on on the revisit but that'll go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blay blunt cinema club new episodes drop every tuesday so make sure you are subscribed so you do not miss an episode Next week, we are tackling Army of Darkness with my homie Sloan. Uh, can't wait for that. Make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at BloodyBluntCC and following myself at underscore Daddy Disco. Until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>